Good morning and welcome to today's podcast. We are talking with India Phoenix, who went from teacher K-12 to school administrator and ultimately took a two-year hiatus to work on de-stressing and recovering from burnout to better balance her home life and family. India subsequently went on to use some of the skills from her administrative career and became a marketing and branding specialist. Let's listen to her story today. Welcome, India. Hi, India. Thanks so much for joining me here on the podcast today. I'm so happy to have you with us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Great. Let's go right into your story so our listeners can learn a little more about you. Can you share a bit of your backstory? What led you to doing the work that you are doing today? (laughs) Um, It's a pretty long story. That's okay. Um, But essentially, I was working my first job, very first job out of the gate was as a fourth grade teacher. And I worked in education in every grade from pre-K through to 12th grade um, before then becoming an administrator. So in high, I taught high school. My, my specialty is really high school, high school mm-hmm. English history. Oh, me um, too. Not history, but English. <laughs> English, yes. So I, was, I loved teaching, writing, and all of that. So I, I eventually I realized that those skill sets really translated very well into being a teacher trainer as well, along yep. with just my skill sets as a you know, in the classroom, what I had learned. So my own expertise, plus just the skills I had gained as a teacher really worked well into then translating into a school administrator. Um, I did that for two and a half years. I loved every minute of it um, until I didn't, until Mm -hmm. burnout sort of took over. And then I realized a lot of what I was doing as an administrator was outreach and messaging. So I was going a lot and connecting with other administrators and sharing about my school. And we were an alternative school. So we took a lot of students in from programs that didn't necessarily work in other schools. They worked in our setting. Um, And so I was a lot of times just talking about that, talking with potential families. So when I left education, I spent a lot of time thinking about what skills I wanted to explore next. I knew I wanted to shelf my teaching experience and not do that for a little bit, but what did I love? What parts of teaching did I love? And what I really, really loved was talking about the school and talking about the students and lifting them up. Um, And I think that very quickly in my mind translated into what I do now, which is branding and messaging and teaching people how to talk about their brand in a way that is excitable and makes a connection. Um, so very different, but for me, very similar. Yeah, I can relate to a lot of what you're saying. I also taught um, K to 12. I taught English and Spanish and English is a second language, but my specialty was 12th grade English was what I loved, loved. Um, and I very quickly moved to university and then taught English there for another 12 years to international students. But I also did a lot of, I did work with inner city schools through a grant program at our university and ended up kind of being the, the front person to liaise with all of the administrators because that was my gift as well, was you know, bringing people together and talking about programs and things like that. So it's funny how that skill set um, 
ends up carrying over and teacher training as well. Um, so you said you loved every part of it, which I also can relate to. I still say I loved every bit of what I did in education until you didn't. So can you talk about the stressful aspects? People don't realize it. They think, oh, school administrator, it's a powerful position. Everything's rosy. You're, you're at the top. You can control everything. What was it really like? <laughs> <laughs> what was it really like behind the scenes? Um, it was it was very wonderful, but the biggest challenge for me, I have a young family. I, I had just had my second child when I left. He was only, I think, like five or six months. And the round-the-clock nature of it was very yeah. challenging. As any teacher knows, you work round the clock as well, but a lot of the work you're doing as a teacher is independent once you're yeah. away from the students, right? You're grading, you're lesson planning. So that's very, you know, solo work. You can do that at home and you're mm -hmm. watching TV and sort of manage a little bit better. Yes. It's, it's still very challenging. I wouldn't ever downplay that, but it's different. When you're an administrator, a lot of the work you're doing is still people oriented, even late into the evening. So you're responding to parents who have concerns that just happened that day and you don't know anything about it. So you're gathering information and you know, you're working sometimes, I have multiple stories of me at 9 p.m. with my other administrators texting because one incident yeah. or another happened and we need to do damage control by the morning and, and figure out a solution. And so it's 10 o'clock at night and my kids are already asleep. I haven't even spent time with them. That part to me was the hardest part and the part that um, unfortunately the nature was, well, this is just the job. Mm -hmm. this is what you signed up for. And I was like, no, it's not. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was the, the challenge. That was the breaking point for me. Yeah, I can absolutely see that. Even in higher education, there was a bit of an around the clock thing happening. And that's exactly what led me to, to the stress that I was experiencing as well. I also grew up with a father who was a high school principal and ultimately a superintendent. So I was able to, to witness some of that. Um, you kind of you have to be the face of the school as well. You have to show up places. You have to go to games. You have to if you if you want to do your job well, right? So when you did ultimately make that shift and leave that position, um, something that's pretty common, I think, with women who are leaving positions of power, um, there's almost a sense of lost and identity confusion. And I had this. Um, you kind of put these labels on yourself, and then once you leave that who are you? Did you experience that as well? I did. I did. That was the biggest challenge for me because I had been a teacher for all of my, my life. I, I, and I had sort of crafted this identity where I found all the ways that I had taught from like childhood. And so I was like, I've always been a teacher. And even as an administrator, I felt like a teacher still. Yeah. I was doing teacher training and all of that. When I left, I wasn't a teacher anymore. And I, I really rooted myself in my parenthood. And I think I got lost in that identity um, for a bit. But when I decided it was time to get back into the workforce, so I took some time off and I spent some time with my children. And I think that helped bridge the gap. But when it was time to get back into the workforce, I wanted to tutor and I still wanted to try to find ways to still be in education. And my partner was very much so like, is that really what you want? Don't you see the slippery slope? And I couldn't because I didn't really want to, I think. 
And when I really stepped back and gave myself time to really feel what I was feeling, that's when I started to have, you know, what we talked about earlier, making those transitions and finding that, but it took time. It took some time. Yeah, I would agree. Um, Just to step back into burnout a little bit. I think there are a lot of women going through burnout who have no idea what, what to call it, what it is. They just think they're going crazy. Um, or they're having extreme stress. Can you talk about what your symptoms of burnout, what those feelings were? Yeah, definitely. I think that it looked different at different points in time. And it's it's important to be self-aware and identify when you feel different in general. Um, for me, it looked sometimes like just wanting to be so busy that I didn't focus on anything else. And so sometimes burnout looked like going to the gym and doing all of those things and not focusing on myself. Mm -hmm. But towards the end, when when it really, really was the last straw, because I would say I went through several ebbs and flows of burnout in my career. But when it hit me that this is, I can't do this anymore, it looked like a desire to just not be at work. And that was strange for me Mm -hmm. because I loved what I did and I found myself trying to make excuses to not be there. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it was in in a post pandemic or I shouldn't say post, but during the pandemic when we were making the shift from working at home to working in the office. So I tried to find excuses to work from home as much as possible. And I realized then I don't want to be there. And Mm -hmm. what is that? Why is that? And ultimately the answer was burnout. Yeah, I think as um, educators too, it's one of the easier fields to say, if I don't want to be here, I need to leave because we we have the kids, right? It's it's about the kids too, yeah. So you took a two-year hiatus. Can you talk about that? What was that like? What did you do? It was, if I can be completely honest, it felt so selfish doing it. Mm-hmm. And I felt like such a bragger and I hated that feeling, but I also wanted to share. So it was really, it was interesting. I traveled, my partner and I traveled. We were living on the East coast. We moved out to the Midwest and stayed with family. And during that time with family, we were, we were there to help family out, but we were really there to just take a break. And so we traveled a ton. We went to the beach, we went to the mountains and During that time, my children, again, like I mentioned, are little. So my daughter, I think, was four when I quit. And my son was just born only a few months. So I really got to spend time with them and Mm -hmm. get to know them, which I felt like I was missing out on. I was spending days and hours getting to know other people's children, but not my own. Um, So that was really wonderful. And I was sharing about it on social media which is Mm -hmm. kind of where, how I ended up getting to the job that I'm in now in marketing, because I was sharing just my journey and and telling stories and and telling people what I was doing. And I felt, again, like I mentioned, very selfish and greedy for being like, look at what I'm doing. And you're at school, you're teaching. Yeah. But I just had to share. I wanted people to see there was another way to do things. Um, And so, you know, Somehow, some way that then led to me doing content marketing and all that now professionally, but it was a, it was an awesome time. I'm very grateful that I was in a position of privilege to be able to do that because it was the relief I needed. And I think that 
a lot of people don't necessarily have that opportunity to mm-hmm. quit and just do what they want. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, it wasn't easy, but I saved and I made it work. But yeah, it was, it was one of the most awesome times ever. And it really let me, what we were talking about earlier, that identity, I think that allowed me to shed my identity during yeah. that time, um, which was important. Yeah, I think that's important too. I think that was great that you were able to do that. So you are now working as like a branding and marketing specialist. So let's talk about that a little bit because it is very different. What led you into that? Yeah. So like I said, I started sharing my my own family story on social media and I realized that there's a way to do this. This is, this is a, a thing, you know, I, I I knew that it was a thing, but I really didn't understand the power of it. Mm -hmm. And so I had tried a couple of other paths, um, just thinking maybe this is the thing or that's the thing. And none of them really lit me up Mm -hmm. in the way that I was, when you're a teacher and you're working in education, you're lit up every day. Um, And I was searching for that. And when I realized that I could sort of do that talking and connecting piece professionally I was like oh wait this is really cool um mm-hmm. I like you know talking about a brand and creating a story behind it that's the English teacher in me right it is I was going oh, to say so- it's storytelling right it really is right. all about storytelling yeah and then the other piece and maybe you can relate a little bit to this is I really liked working with my students on executive functioning and planning and all mm-hmm. of that and I realized that was a skill. I always knew this, but I really saw that was a skill set adults needed. Yes. Um, that they don't have. Mm-hmm. So I got to tell stories, which I loved as an English teacher. It was really fun for me. And I also get to work with brands on their executive functioning around how things work mm-hmm. and finding those connections and telling those stories and doing so in a way that is consistent and really achieves the results is data-driven. And I get to teach a little bit, which I love. Um, So, you know, one of the branches of Branding Brujas is is my branding firm. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we are actually in development of is the Branding Bruja Institute, where we're going to be taking our content and delivering it in courses because Mm -hmm. some people learn that way. Yeah. And they need to be taught like they're still in school, mm-hmm. um, but in a way that is, you know, a little bit more fun and exciting. Um, yeah. And so we have some opportunities that we're in development for. That's, you know, a couple of months out, but it, it's it's cool. I get to teach as well and teach people who want to learn. And I'm sure as a teacher, you know exactly what I mean. I do. Um, I think you never really leave that behind, right? If that's a gift that you have, you have to carry that into what you're going to be doing next. Yes. Um, even within this podcast, I'm so glad I found this. And it really is for me about storytelling. It's just a different method of doing it. Yeah, that's very cool. Um, so who would you say are your clients and how have you been able to find these clients in starting out? Yeah. So I have clients kind of all across the board. Um, when I was first, first starting out, I actually used platforms like Upwork and mm-hmm. Fiverr just to get myself established and build up that credibility and a portfolio. Um, now, a lot of my clients are through network marketing. So 
I just go out there. I get to do that, that part that I was mentioning the outreach and sort of talk about myself, which is Mm -hmm. maybe weird, but also kind of cool. It's fun. Um, And so I do a lot of network marketing and in terms of the clients that I work with, it's across the spectrum. Typically we work with solopreneurs, freelancers, people who really want to work for themselves. Um, A lot of career changers like myself, Um, And then we also work with brands that are just starting out or in the midsection. So they haven't quite gotten to the space where they can have a whole marketing team, but Mm -hmm. we help them along the process and sort of teach them those skills, especially small startup brands where kind of everyone's working together. What we get to do is help them find out where their skill sets are. Like, Mm -hmm. you really like this. Let's do marketing. And that's the teaching piece, I think, as well, that we really enjoy. Yeah. And helping them kind of hone in on where they need to spend their time, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I had a question here. I'm going to cross out about the skills of being an administrator carrying over because we've already talked about that. And it really all, it, it comes down to, to teaching and storytelling, right? Yeah. So this is a question I ask everyone. What would you say has been your greatest challenge in your journey all the way through leading you to where you are now, whether it's um, personal or Um, as an educator or in the work that you're doing now and then on the flip side of that what has been your greatest joy yes um I think the biggest challenge for me throughout my life has always been finding that balance of work life what makes me happy and you know what drives me um, and still de- needing to do the boring task because I have executive dysfunction myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> I think that has been really challenging. But on the flip side, what I have found after leaving education, which was a very difficult decision to mm-hmm. do, um, but after leaving that was that freedom. And I think that has been the biggest joy is I now have freedom to go to the park with my kids and spend a whole afternoon there. And I don't feel like I'm, you know, leaving my students behind or leaving my faculty behind. And then I can do my work when I'm, you know, it's night and the kids are napping or they're sleeping. Mm -hmm. And so I think that was the biggest challenge. And in leaving education, I have found that freedom. And so that's the biggest joy. Yeah, I can remember when I first started working for myself and I wasn't going to a physical place to work, um, feeling like it's daytime, something's wrong, I shouldn't be in this house. It was like this bizarre feeling, but that goes away. You have to to stick through that part, right? Yes. Because then it can be wonderful. Um, So this is something that I think a lot of women like to see, whether it's on YouTube or, or wherever, but like a day in the life of what an entrepreneur, um, what their day is like. So of course, all of our days are different, but what would you say would be a typical day? What's your routine? Are there any um, like rituals or routines that you hold sacred, maybe in your morning or or whatever? What would a day look like for you? Today? Yeah, so I'm a super early bird um, and I do have young children. So they are also early birds. Uh, so I typically wake up around 4 a.m. And usually I take that four to five, six, depending on how early my son wakes up to myself. Um, And that's really, really important. I Mm. make coffee. I do meditation, yoga, go for a walk, whatever feels right. I don't have a certain like I have to do this every day. It's Mm -hmm. more whatever feels good in the day. Um, But having that time by myself is really important. 
then I usually cook breakfast with my kids. Um, we do breakfast, kind of clean up, get ready for the day. Uh, depending on the day, I may start with work and my husband, um, who also works from home, may take the kids to the gym and do play dates with them while mm -hmm. I work from home. Um, or and that's usually until about lunchtime or he it'll be flipped and he'll stay home and I will go out and do that yeah. with the kids. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of nice. There's a little bit of variety in our week. Uh, and then that if I work from home in the morning, then I take the kids out in the afternoon and we do playtime, um, go to the library, different fun things like that. Um, come home, make dinner. I usually after bedtime do cleaning and putting the kids to bed. Um, or if I work in the afternoon, it's the exact same thing. Um, my husband and I usually split up dinner where I cook and he takes the kids out of the house. So no mm -hmm. one's distracting me. And that's a, in, in terms of a ritual, that's a very important time yeah. for me to decompress and to express love to my family. Cause I love to cook. It's an yeah. important time for me. Um, but I do it by myself and I kind of get rid of all the gunk from the day, um, which is really important. And that's my time. No one else really cooks in my house unless we go out to eat. Um, and then we put the kids to bed and I usually work a little bit after that, um, tidy up the house, kind of get things in order for the next day. And then bedtime for myself after a shower and nighttime routine. So pretty boring, but for me- No, I love that. Crazy life, it's nice. <laughs> no, I love that. And I like that your time is while you're cooking too, because so many of us say, Oh, in the morning, uh, it's just that morning routine, but really that time before dinner can be great too. Yeah. So the next question is, or I should say the last question before I ask you where we can find you online, any books that you would recommend for a woman who is maybe thinking of making a major life pivot, a career change, something like that, that you found helpful? I wanted to take a quick moment to talk to you about an app that I am loving. I use Audible nearly every day. I listen to Audible books while I am taking walks in the woods, while I'm working out at the gym, and even while I'm driving in the car. A few books that I'm reading right now simultaneously are North by Scott Jurek, which is a book about an ultra runner. And um, I'm reading it strictly for the story of his running the Appalachian Trail and overcoming different challenges. And I'm reading Why We Get Sick by Benjamin Bickman. There are so many books that I have lined up to read. In addition, as you've noticed in all of our podcasts, I ask every guest we have what books they would recommend based on the topic we're discussing. So I really wanted to partner with Audible and I'm so happy I'm able to, to offer you a free trial. So what is Audible? Well, Audible lets you enjoy all of your audio entertainment in one place. You'll always find the best of what you love or something new to discover. It offers an incredible selection of audiobooks across every genre. I happen to love mysteries as well as self-help and motivation and memoirs. You can find a little of everything you love to read. You'll find exclusive Audible originals from top celebrities, renowned experts, and really just some exciting new voices in audio. So Audible also includes thousands of podcasts from popular favorites to exclusive new series. So as an Audible member, you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including latest bestsellers and new releases. 
So with this trial, you can, as a new member, try Audible free for 30 days. It is an amazing offer. All you have to do is go to the link that I have down in the show notes, www.audibletrial.com backslash read with Carrie, all one word, all lowercase letters. Okay. Thanks for listening in back to our podcast. Yes. Um, so right when I quit, I read Becoming by Michelle Obama mm-hmm. and if you haven't read it, please, please go out and read it. If you can get the audiobook, it's in her voice. So it's that much better. I listened to it in the car. And her journey of just change and going with the flow and finding what works for her and doing what makes her happy unapologetically was so important in those early days to have a model of someone who was doing it and had done it and admitted that it was messy. And she, Mm -hmm. if you read the book, she is very honest about how messy it is. That was so helpful to me because if the first lady has mess and it it doesn't look pretty, then it's okay if I have mess and it doesn't look pretty in my journey. Um, Yeah. So yeah, I think that was a huge, huge um, book for me in my journey. Um, in the beginning, having and listen to it. If you can listen to it, read it. If you if that's your style, but if you can listen to it, it's that much more powerful. Okay, thank you. I'd love to get book recommendations from everyone. I'm getting quite the library here as I get them. So we are going to end today, but I wanted to find out where we can find you online if someone would like to connect. Maybe there are small brands who would like to get a hold of you. Yes, absolutely. So I'm online at brandingbruja.com. Um, and then on Instagram at Branding Bruja. Um, and that's B-R-U-J-A, right? Yes. So Branding and then Bruja, B-R-U-J-A um, on Instagram. And then if you want to find me on LinkedIn to personally connect, um, I'm just India Phoenix. Um, yeah. So would love to hear from you guys. Great. Thank you so much for being here with us today and sharing your story. I think it was really insightful and will definitely make an impact on on someone else who is potentially in the same position. Yeah, thank you so much for having me.